0: Hello and welcome to episode 42 of Booze, Booms and Busts, which was delayed by a week due to the fact that my dear friend and colleague, Sam Volkering, was ill. So Sam, how are you feeling? Are you, uh, are you ripe as rain? I'm alive and, 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 and ready to go and
1: drinking beer again, so life has returned to normal. I will, I will reassure... Uh, our listeners that it wasn't the COVID, it wasn't the Wu Flu, it was one of those ancient um, flus that that we used to call the cold, um, which apparently uh, I was led to believe didn't exist anymore. But I can tell you what they do.
0: Yeah, I, I've uh, looking at the statistics. I mean, I wouldn't have thought that the cold did exist anymore.
1: Yeah, it, it, <laughs> well <laughs> I'm living proof that I have genuinely just had a cold or a little head flu thing, not the coronavirus at all. Uh, God knows how I got it, but I got it. Uh, And so, yeah, you know, it's, you know what, it's probably a better sign that things are going back to normal more than anything else. I think
0: you're an inspiration to us all. Sam. (laughs) Hey, the struggle is real, man. Yeah. You know, I actually saw a beer in supermarket the other day called first world problems. And, uh, Yeah, it would, it would be quite fitting, though sadly that's not what we've got on today. But as uh, as I said, we shall kind of continue on with the with the show. Uh, it has been one week off, but it is uh, it is actually quite. Uh quite a um you know something of a bonus here that this is episode 42 and uh you know this very week all of the potheads in the u.s have been celebrating 420 because they uh, don't know how to record their date in the in the right manner uh, of <laughs> course you don't really get 420 here because there aren't 20 months in the year so only only the americans can the uh, only, only the american <laughs> potheads well all the british potheads have to pretend to be american this week i suppose uh but you know Carrying on with the show, it has been an interesting time for cannabis stocks, actually. We could maybe, uh, we could maybe discuss that later on. But first up, uh, Sam, uh, what are you drinking this week?
1: Yeah, so I've, uh, my first one is uh, from Northern Monk, and it is part of their Patrons Project. Uh, so this is a collaboration beer uh, between Don Zoco Brewing Company Sandy Kerr, who I think is probably a surfer, um, judging by the label, and Finisterre, which I don't even know what that is, um, but it is a, an, it's it's a session IPL session IPL. Um, so it's it's I, I can't, to, to be honest, I can't. The only IPL I ever. Have um, seen before is the Indian Premier League, which is a cricket tournament that's currently on. I've, I can't remember ever actually drinking an IPL, but it's four point five percent. Yeah, and the the label on the can is is, is caused cool, like it's a surfer who who may be Sandy Kerr. I don't know. I'm not I'm not down with my surfers. There's a surfer doing a quite a cool move off the top of a wave. And now I didn't know this, but you've told me about this, Boaz, and I haven't done it yet but you can peel off the label on this. And I believe something is going to be revealed underneath.
0: Yeah, that's the the great silver lining to all of the Northern Monk patrons project beers. If you are are a weirdo like me who enjoys collecting beer labels, you know, the patrons project ones are the best because they have not one really, but pretty much three labels. So the main label you can peel off and underneath that, on the underside of that label, there is uh, another graphic and then on the can itself, there is a third label, uh, and it, in the Patrons Project series, where they're uh, trying to you know, mix together with, uh, you know, getting the beer and they're combining it with like artists and stuff. It'll tell you a bit about what's on the main label and things like that. Yeah, this
1: is uh, this is quite something else. What well, the, the, it's 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 like a piece of art. This can, to be honest with you, like I say, the the, the picture on the front. Now, Sandy Kurt is a surfer uh, that has been confirmed since opening the, this label. Uh, it's really cool actually. Um, tells you more about him, about the, the, the Don Zoco brewing company. Um, uh, a bit more about the beer itself. Fantastic. Absolutely. Wonderful. And I must say, um, this, this is this is the coolest can and label I've ever seen actually. And so far from drinking, it, it is a very, very nice beer as well. So, uh, uh, Northern Monk, you are off to an absolute flyer with me today.
0: Ah, yeah, no, the Patrons Project beers, for anyone listening, I do highly recommend you at least try them try once, and uh, appreciate the novelty of pulling off the label to find that there's another label underneath. Uh, this week, I'm not, uh, I'm not quite so extravagant with my beers. Uh, I'm currently, I, I've been relocated to the Lake District. I'm currently in a place called Windermere, and anyway, there is a, a brewery here called Cumbrian Ales, uh, as of course we are in the district of Cumbria, and this one is called Grassmore Dark Ale. It is a 4.3% dark ale, uh, and this, of course, is made in uh, in the Lake District in a place called Ambleside, Hawkshead and uh, yeah, uh, what was this? 4. Point, yeah, 4.3%. So nothing too uh, too strong. I found most of the uh, you know Lake District have got some very old-school brewing. And they don't go crazy with the percentages. They're, uh, they they like to keep it pretty easy. But yeah, this is uh, this is tasting pretty good. It's quite uh, in terms of dark. It just taste like a bit uh, a bit sort of charcoal like you know like you've had something that's a bit smoked almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is going pretty well so far. Um, Sam, in terms of uh, we'll sort of our bullish bearish uh, segment uh, here, I think. So what you're bullish on and what you've been looking at. Uh, at the markets what you've been seeing in the markets this week, and topics that have uh, have jumped out at you, what are you bullish on this week I tell you what so my, my, what i 'm bullish on
1: is actually completely separate to what i 've really been looking at at the markets this week because i was um, I was in bed the other night and I was doing my usual routine of browsing shit on my phone on YouTube. Uh, which I find is a great way to switch off from the day's activities and fall asleep. And I came across a review video kind of preview of the um, Audi A6 e-tron all electric car from the Audi uh, car manufacturer part of the VW group. And it is, it was, it is uh, delightfully beautiful and is going to blow the shit out of the water for the likes of Tesla and Mercedes. And it's probably one of the nicest EVs I've probably seen coming to market in the next couple of years. Uh, and better so I'm bullish. Hummer. Even better than the all-electric Hummer. Uh, wow. this, is, this, is, this is quite something else. Um, you can even, the headlights are so high-tech that you can, with an app on your phone, if you're um, waiting for your car to recharge and and you've got your car sort of facing a wall, the headlights will project a game that connects to your, to an app on your phone so that you can play a game using the headlights of the car projecting onto a wall. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's a little wild, but, uh, beautiful just a beautiful looking vehicle and so i'm quite bullish on the vw group funnily enough for all the turmoil that, that that they seem to attract to themselves over the years uh, i think they are going to blow the ev space wide open in the next few years i, I think that the, the the companies that are ca- catching loads of attention at the moment like tesla and neo and um, all the electric car companies that are listed on the US markets at the moment, are, you know, a, a great kind of, you know, they're, they're, they're the fluff. They're the fluffers before the real show. And I think VW is going to step up to the plate and just smash the shit out of them in the next couple of years. So I, if the A6 is anything to go by and the recently released um, Audi e-tron GT, I think that the EV space in general is going to be full of really friggin' nice cars. Uh, and a lot of them are going to come from the incumbents, in particular, the VW group. So I'm all bullish on the VW group at the moment.
0: Well, I must say, Sam, I, I do hope you're wrong here. I, I absolutely hate Volkswagen. I think it's one of the most amoral co- uh, companies in the in the Western developed world. They're all about, you know, they're all about building factories in Xinjiang and using slave labor. And uh, You know, that stock can't go down enough in my view. So I hope you are wrong. I hope you are wrong. But uh, no, I think it's fair to, uh, you know, your appreciation of the electric vehicles. You know, it is a, you make a fair argument. Uh, A lot of people have been waiting for a long time, though, for the incumbents uh, to really step up their game. Uh, Mm. So it would be interesting to see which electric vehicle it is that finally gives Tesla a run for its money.
1: Yeah, I, um, I had kind of hoped that maybe one of the other upstarts might might come to play. I mean, like Fisker's. Fisker's kind of like when Tesla first started, it was Tesla and Fisker were like these two car companies that were doing EVs, and you know they were kind they kind of stole the show back in the day. Uh, and then Fisker had a whole bunch of issues with supply chains, and eventually we sort of went bankrupt. And then they, they split off into Karma Automotive and Fisker and now Fisker have come back and Karma is still a separate company. I think the Chinese owned now. Uh, and anyway, and so sort of they've, they've made a resurgence. And so I know Fisker are launching, not launching, but they've got their production version of their Ocean uh, EV, SUV sort of crossover thing uh, coming in November. I think at the one of the motor shows in the US or something. Uh, and so they're, I think they're, they're an exciting one too with the quality of product at an affordable price but I just think that the incumbents are, they're, they're a big slow cargo ship trying to turn um, and and, and they've, they've, they've sort of found the right lane and, and I think that they're going to I think they're just going to blow the EV market wide open full of competition, full of competitive price points range, choice, everything you could possibly want and and i don't it's not that i think that the future for tesla is 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 dead or te- companies like them i just think most of them will struggle and tesla is going to get a bit of a rude wake up call
0: i think this week i am bullish on articles claiming that bitcoin is dead nah. <laughs> um, i think that i think that's what i'm bullish on this week we have seen a pretty steep pullback again and you know you know just there are some things which uh you know, the, it's not meant to be like this. You know, the world is not meant to be predictable. The future is not meant to be, you know, viewable ahead of time. And yet every single time Bitcoin has a drawback, ah, you know, the journalists just they just can't help themselves. They just have to do it. So I'm pretty sure there's going to be, you know, quite a few articles saying Bitcoin is dead this week. Um, I think you know sam i would be interested to know your your thoughts are on this of course you know nothing goes in a straight line forever you know Mm -hmm. this may you know it may well be that this is the this has been the top of the of this bitcoin cycle of course i know you don't you don't believe that but you know we always have to you always have to be able to um you know be able to you know take that into consideration that you know maybe maybe we're wrong maybe maybe this isn't it for uh yeah maybe this is all it for the next year or whatever well, not not year, but you know, next it was a few years since 20, 2017. So, um, you know, I'd be interested to know your take on this. Though, a lot of the uh, the speculation that's been, you know, as soon as the price goes down, somebody wants to wants to say that this is because of an event that occurred at the same time. It's like when it's like when you know you're walking through your living room or something, right? And you kind of like you bump your knee on the table, and at the same time the light goes out, and you think, <laughs> damn. Really, is this table? Is this table and everything like uh, you know? Am I controlling the the lights um, yeah, by yeah. by just you know via this this coffee table or whatever? And it seems to be the same thing pretty much with markets, where as soon as something happens, you just look at a news story and somehow it's got to be connected. But there was a there was a someone was putting a rumor around uh, somebody who knows who it is uh, saying that there was going to be an eighty percent tax on crypto <laughs> profits, yeah. which seemed pretty pretty excessive and pretty uh, pretty ridiculous really but ultimately people were saying that this is what uh, this is what drove the price of bitcoin down mm. and uh i wonder you know i can imagine that rumor being put about and uh, no but more importantly i can imagine that rumor being putting out, put about as a trial balloon by somebody in uh in the u.s government for example uh, you know, there was that chap at the CFTC, the former chair of the CFTC, uh, I believe Giancarlo was his name. Yeah, who, right. During that, during the, the early, early years, of the Trump administration, uh, he and Gary Cohn, who was uh, Trump's economic advisor and other people in the U.S. financial establishment. Uh, you know, Giancarlo went to a conference and openly admitted, uh, in fact, boasted that, you know, he and his boys had been responsible for, quote, popping the Bitcoin bubble. By deliberately ushering in um, the introduction of Bitcoin futures, you know this was that the, what they wanted to do was drive the price of Bitcoin down, and so they they made sure that Bitcoin futures were uh, you know greenlit and introduced to market, and you know it d- definitely worked. I mean, as soon, pretty much as soon as they arrived, that w- the week they arrived, I remember you could only really see the Bitcoin price. Uh, you know, it took a lot of took a lot of hammering, so they they managed to do it. But the the fact that this had Giancarlo, I think it was in late 2018 when he boasted about this, you know, this was not spoken about at all, not at all in, uh, you know, at the time when Bitcoin futures were being introduced, that this was all actually a plot. I mean, it's effectively a conspiracy fact. Like, it's not a conspiracy. Like it, it, This is a genuine conspiracy. If you, if you take the, you know, the dictionary definition of one uh, that took place and it, it effectively worked. But it's the fact that it was this there was the overt recognition of Bitcoin is going up and we want to get the price down. They'd probably say it was because we wanted to make sure that uh, retail investors weren't hurt or something like that. Who knows what their real motivation was for doing it. However, there was, even back in 2017, an overt recognition that this is something that should be stopped and we are going to use our power as a government, uh, you know, as a government entity in order to uh, make that happen. I wonder if this the the eighty percent rumor. Maybe it did drive the price of Bitcoin down. I am skeptical, but I can imagine somebody in the government saying, just saying, ringing up one of his journo bodies who are you know just dying for dying for some kind of information, and just saying, hey, you know the without without mentioning this is he's just completely speaking out his ass. He just made it up. You know we're thinking of taxing crypto eighty percent. You know I'm got, I'm telling you because you know, you know, I like you and I love what you do at, you know, the Chicago Tribune or something, who knows. And, uh, and then that just gets put about and then maybe, maybe that did drive price and Maybe it in. It was, it, it's probably nonsense. Uh, I, I, I'm very skeptical of that, that is in fact the case that this has been considered, but I would imagine it being something where it's a trial balloon to see how the market reacts. Uh, you know, imagine if the market could be shaken by such a rumor. And at the same time, is a trial balloon in that? Well, if it does get the get the price to go down, maybe we will start uh, thinking of uh, developing that kind of policy. What do you make of that, Sam? Am I wrong? Am I barking up the wrong tree here? Oh no, no. There's so
1: many layers to this to unpick. I'll, I'll, I'll cover off on one quick one first, and then then really dig into it. So um, I think it's Christopher Giancarlo that was the former chair of the uh, or CTFT. or CTF. The FTC, yeah. Uh, yeah. So anyway, just recently, uh, literally, I think it was this week, he joined uh, the board of directors of BlockFi. Damn. Um, which I found to be a very, very interesting move. What's I mean, he's, he's jumped, into, he's jumped into, into the crypto space digital did the digital finance space yeah i um, thought the, anyway.
0: the way the revolving door worked was that once you'd been in government you went to work for one of the big banks and not the not thing anymore. that you were actively working against
1: yeah that's right it's it's off it's it, it, i think it's now you you get out of uh those positions and into defi um so anyway that, that, that that's interesting enough in its own right but so now so with all this all this stuff so what you what you we're starting to see now is um uh, these these Twitter accounts and these social media accounts that are effectively it appears that they have been bought um, by I don't know I, I don't know who right but you can you can quite quite easily identify these accounts because what they do is they they release tweets or posts uh, with breaking news and this breaking piece of news and you you can see it in the tweet is all in caps locks. So uh, they're they're very, very, very shouty and very in your face with these, these announcements. Uh, There's a couple that have gone out in the last couple of weeks. And the indication is is that they are effectively test accounts to see if the market will react to the release of the news. Um, Now, what one of them was, uh, I was trying to remember what the one earlier in the week was. Uh, So there was one about the hash rate uh, the Bitcoin hash rate in China dropping off, which was about a week ago now, which saw the price last weekend uh, dive pretty heavily, and then this week it was that it was twofold. It was the Biden tax, uh, capital gains tax announcement, and then off the back of that was this idea that Janet Yellen was going to impose an eighty percent tax on cryptocurrency gains as well. Now they the the eighty percent tax one claimed. That 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 piece of breaking news was, and I and I literally quote this: "heard on the street." That was yeah, the yeah. source, and the um, and and I think the some of the other ones literally quote uh, these these this breaking news from sources. That's all it says: just sources, sources. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I could say to you, hey, Boaz, uh, the UK is going to adopt government is going to adopt bitcoin and put it on its balance sheet sources you could tweet that in all caps all capital letters on twitter and claim sources and it's well, as about as accurate as the information i think that they're putting out on these accounts but these accounts have hundreds of thousands of followers so my view on it and this is speculation on my part i don't have empirical evidence on this but there are trading uh, I believe they're trading organizations that have either bought these accounts with hundreds of thousands of followers or in coats with them. And they're putting out these so-called news pieces, taking short positions in them, then releasing them and then seeing if they move the market on the back of those, which it appears, uh, I mean, the, the coincidence is, it's not really a coincidence. The timing is is pretty, pretty accurate uh it's moving the market and if it is doing that and it's sort of a a self-fulfilling prophecy if they release the the news the market tanks they a benefit from their positions but then all of a sudden people start following those accounts more because when they tweet these so-called news releases it moves the market so people pay attention to it and then traders and algorithms and bots pay attention to it so it's it's all a bit fucked up, to be honest with you. <laughs> but it seems like these fake news pieces are moving the crypto market.
0: Yeah, don't hate the player, I guess. I mean, ultimately, if all they're doing is getting the price down, they're ultimately under mate, keeping what? keeping a uh, keeping the keeping the price low. So you know, you could be buying in now when it is cheap. I would be more afraid, really, of a um, a government official seeing that and being like, "Damn, you know." We should get in on this. This is a uh, <laughs> clearly that well it exposes that such rumors are actually um, you know are possible you know are can move the market and as a result, the government uh, if it doesn 't like you know, certain assets then it well maybe it should just start to, uh, Jawboning, you know, adding some forward guidance to their fiscal policy, normally so for, forward guidance when it comes to monetary policy. But as the, the you know, the, the stimulus baton has been given to uh, the fiscal side, it makes sense that forward guidance to be at, should be added to, to the fiscal policy toolkit, as they say. But, you know, Sam, my sources do tell me that the phrase <laughs> sources, <laughs> sources, say, <laughs> sources say, they have told me, sources say is actually ancient Greek for I made it up. I, I, they, they tell. I don't know, but my sources do tell me this.
1: So. Is this, is this a bit like the claim that sixty-seven point four nine percent of all statistics are made up?
0: Mm. Quite possibly. <laughs> uh, it would depend on your sources, I would imagine. <laughs> but Sam, in terms of like, you know, this, uh, the, the prospect of this. Ah, uh, in fact, actually, I, uh, I'm going, I'm going to transition slightly here to uh, a, a similar topic. I which I was intending to ask you about because this I think is actually one of a I think this is probably the biggest for me it's the biggest story that uh, in crypto for the last at least you know last fair while I think this is in a way I actually think this is bigger than the Coinbase IPO uh, which wasn't it wasn't even an IPO anyway. Um, Why? and why now is coinbase now accepting uh, tether yeah this is mm. this I, this fascinates me that they've yeah. done this so soon after the direct listing because with tether you know, we have discussed Tether before, you know, a lot of people think this is a massive scam, et cetera, et cetera. I see it as this is effectively the the, the Internet has jumped central banks to the punch and it has created a digital dollar without their permission. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason why Tether is so big is because it has massive utility and you can exchange it for pretty much anything that you want anyway. So, yeah, you can't maybe go and spend it at the shop. But if you're talking about online, using it online and moving capital online, Tether is a stable method for moving capital around uh, that is easier to use in pretty much anything so that's uh, like tether uh you know there's a massive void when it comes to what has really been going on here i mean they have admitted in the past that they inflated the supply without the backing etc 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 but why oh why has coinbase said that they're going to finally start taking tether what is going on with that because yeah. I actually would would dare say that the U.S. government or somebody within the U.S. government may have tapped them on the shoulder and told them to start doing it. What do you think of it?
1: Yeah, I mean, so the timing of this is incredible, right? I mean, this is a not even a fall; well, it's it's a it's a week, effectively after they they list, and I found the wording of the announcement really interesting as well. Uh, they were talking about. Uh, being listed so listing usdt on the regulated exchange they made a point of talking about coinbase being regulated um i don't and and the other thing is is why they went why they decided on on tether and not something like usdc
0: yeah, which is regulatory, which is effectively regulated and has approval from large financial institutions. Exactly.
1: And I, I feel like it's almost a bit of a stable, stable coin war brewing between the USDC factions and the USDT factions. Um, but at the same time, you you have to think that something like Tether um, is possibly because of its sheer size um, and and clear um you know velocity in the crypto economy at least for now it's a it's kind of like a it's kind of like a a, a pre it's a prefabricated pre- prefabricated house that the united states government can just move straight into um that they don't really have to build for themselves and it's clear that they've been lagging in the digital currency space for a central bank backed digital currency maybe maybe tether is uh is 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 that system that they don't need to really build themselves, but they can just kind of soak and absorb. So yeah, I I I I am a bit like I get the feeling that there is some level of government or financial authority involved in this in some way. It just seems all a bit too coincidental to to the timing of it with Coinbase's listing, the the wording of how they they released it. Uh, and the fact that the U.S. has been talking about, you know, looking at implementing proper digital currency and cryptocurrency regulation. So it's kind of like a convergence of a whole bunch of things that give you pretty good reason to argue that maybe USDT is fast becoming uh, or could fast become the U.S.'s attempted at a central bank-backed digital currency.
0: I think, for me, the, I think the the tether sort of issue. You know, the, the idea of Coinbase, accept, Coinbase accepting it now, it seems almost, well, I mean, the, the main risk is the idea that Tether's is a massive scam. So why is it that Coinbase, now that they've listed, uh, you know, so they, they are under even stricter regulatory um, requirements than they were previously, yeah. Why, then, are they now ta- you know, taking the massive risk of accepting Tether? Now, of course, there is the fact that you know, Tether volumes are, are enormous, and as a result, you're opening yourself up to a massive market. But you know, it's not like the Tether issue, while the New York Attorney General case has been since dismissed, it's not like it's been completely resolved. Or at least it's not as though the question has been answered to a degree that makes everyone think that, oh, yeah, Tether is completely clean. From my from my perspective I wonder and I would think this because it kind of fits my broader thesis about tether but you know if tether is the digital dollar and it's been it's been created uh, and it is being used for you know all manner of online purposes it's effectively you know spread itself through uh, the the digital asset ecosystem like a, almost like a you know like an organism almost I wonder whether or not the U.S. sees that. And um, while it's not under their control, they are happy for it to be tethered that's in control rather than a stablecoin linked to any other currency. So there is tether euro, for example, but the volumes aren't nearly so large. Mm. And just as the U.S. was fine to stand pat and not interfere with the offshore dollar banking system, which helped create, which helped, uh, you know, Make the U.S. dollar the global world, you know, the global reserve currency. The offshore banking system, post, uh, you know, post even before 1971. So in the in the 50s and 60s, which was, you know, because it was offshore, it was completely unregulated. But they were still creating dollars, and as a result, those dollars were being uh, being spent and lent uh, to finance projects all over the world. So it gave the dollar a huge amount of demand, even though it was outside officially and you know, regular regulatory wise. It was completely outside the purview of the U.S. government. The U.S. government was fine for that to continue because it was still dollars they were using. So there was still ultimately a dollar link between all of this economic activity and, uh, and, and America. Right. So even though it wasn't the government that was in charge, it was still a dollar, which is still linked to the government. So the euro dollar system, which is what that system became, is thought of as, you know, this is still a massive offshore dollar market, still a massive credit multiplier system where uh, banks can create credit and create dollars seemingly out of nothing or off a small dollar base that they wouldn't be allowed to in the U.S. And this is implicitly allowed by the U.S. government. They could if they really wanted to try and bring all of that system under their own control, but they don't. Because ultimately it still benefits the interests of the US government because it's still the dollar that they're using and not anybody, anybody else's currency. Uh, this was kind of implicitly uh, acknowledged when euro dollar futures were introduced in the 1980s, I think uh, where uh, you know they, you know the euro dollar, which is uh, offshore dollar funding rates, you could bet on those. You could bet on how much it costs to borrow and save. Well, like LIBOR, so really just the borrowing rates for these offshore dollars, and that was done inside the U.S. So it was a, an implicit acknowledgement and a, a approval of the of this system. Eurodollar exists, and we're going to let you speculate on the funding rates within this Eurodollar market, which is in dollars but is completely mm. outside of our control. I wonder if it's similar with Cat, with uh, Coinbase and Tether, where. Tether is like the digital euro dollar system and the US is fine for it to multiply and expand of of its own accord because it's still a dollar linked asset. But they, um, yeah, you know, so they're not going to get, they're not going to seize control of it and they're going to implicitly acknowledge it, but without, but not explicitly. So they're going to allow Coinbase, it to be plugged into Coinbase, which is obviously one of the, you know, the biggest crypto exchanges out there. So it's going to further, empower that system with it still being outside of us government control that would that's that's my theory but you know maybe maybe coinbase will say something which kind of makes this all seem very sensible you know there's nothing shady going on this is just (laughs) this is just business who knows
1: just it's it's like you say it's kind of like control without having the actual implicit control over it so that that if it all does go tits up and it's all a big scam they can they can just sort of wash their hands and go hey it was coinbase not us
0: yeah plausible deniability right yeah
1: exactly i mean it is it's i find it strange i find it strange that they it's just usdt uh i find it strange that they didn't do this before their direct listing um if it's just all a bit it's you're right it's all a little bit suspect but then at the same time you know with circle issuing usdc um I, i see that very much tying in than with some of the uh, you know other exchanges and payment payment systems that are being built out by the likes of Square um, and and quite possibly PayPal or we know Visa is implementing USDC in terms of settling in crypto for them it's I, there's this it's this weird kind of. Um, I guess, merge of of some of these more crypto-based institutions with the legacy systems that are out there. Like I say, like the likes of Visa and Square. And um, and, and it just seems like there's something weird happening in the stablecoin space at the moment. Uh, And I'm not sure exactly who has their finger in the pie, but there Mm. seems to be a lot of fingers in the pie nonetheless.
0: I wonder... And you know, I'm. I, you probably won't agree with me, Sam, but I do wonder if the the stablecoin phenomena is, in a way, the biggest development of this crypto cycle than any of the other coins. Now, obviously, this goes contrary to the normal uh, digital asset thinking. You know, the the Bitcoin maximalists, the Ethereum maximalists, all of the other uh, altcoiners, et cetera, et cetera but in terms of the actual development of this ecosystem and what you know where you know how what the what the future looks like and what it's going to be built upon and what this means for the future of all of these digital assets i wonder if the expansion of these stable coins is really or and and the approval of these stable coins is maybe one of the biggest developments, but which nobody really cares about because it's not go, because these things don't go up in price, right? They're just stable coins. But ultimately, when you're looking at the DeFi space, you know a lot, an awful lot of that's going to it's it's all Tether that people want. People are borrowing in Tether. You know, is the the credit system that is being built through these projects is still based on stable coins to some degree? Well, not not with all of them, but with, with several of them. And if you if you know similar to what you were saying about imagine if the U S just did a takeover of tether, right? Imagine if they just nationalized Dexia bank, even mm-hmm. though it's not even in U S territory, right? It, it, Dexia is like in the Bahamas or something. Um, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure you maybe JP Morgan could just buy them out. And then, you know, then it would be, then it'd be U S approved tether. Right. But I do wonder if the, it obviously doesn't go in line with the normal crypto narrative and for the crypto believers narrative, but the, if stablecoins, if digital dollars are becoming, you know, the the access to them, the ability to create them, is becoming something that is easy to do, then this opens up an entirely new world of dev- online development, um, and it, that may not be in the best interests of the of the of, certainly not of the Bitcoiner. Uh, or for somebody you know it maybe it'll make the bitcoin price go up a lot so maybe it is for the bitcoiner but in terms of like what bitcoin's meant to stand for and how it's meant to be about individual sovereignty then it isn't i mean ultimately this is an incursion of the state into yeah. this sector um and as you know as i described tether it's almost like a virus that just spreads through everywhere uh, but you know it's a, it's a virus that people are using to you know to gain money for themselves you know they're borrowing it to do they're they're effectively DeFi. so much of DeFi is people simply trying to find leverage that they they would not be able to access through the legacy financial system and whether or not those people should have been granted leverage in the first place is maybe a subjective debate however you know they've managed to do it and the system which provides that leverage has been proven to work right Mm -hmm. these systems work if like if you want to if you want to lever up on btc futures with Tether, yes, you may be an idiot, but the fact is the system can provide that to you. And beforehand, you would not have been able to do that. Uh, And even if you wanted to do that, and you were definitely qualified enough to do it, you may have found that it was incredibly hard and there were way too many barriers and it was very, very high friction system in order for you to be able to do that. So I wonder if, yeah, I wonder if the, the promulgation of these stable coins, maybe that's the real, maybe that's the real thing to take away from this cycle i mean I, I was thinking it was defi but when you think about it defi in a way is is related so much to stable coins. yes ethereum is as well uh, but when you consider the the huge amounts of tether that are now out there and how many people on in this defi space are really counting their their wealth in tether
1: yeah
0: is the stablecoin space i mean it sounds so boring stablecoin right maybe we kind we call like pirate dollars or something <laughs> <You> <laughs> they, just, they should be
1: called d stable coins because they're still <laughs> to, they're still pegged to the u.s dollar for a lot of them right or, or fear yeah, money yeah, yeah. and I, look the other thing is and and i don't know if people really think about this all that much but if these stable coins let's say to take take all the u.s u.s dollar stable coins they are they are effectively capped um in theory there there's an unlimited supply of them if they're backed if they're they're genuinely backed one for one for a a US dollar, there gets to a point, there must be a point in the growth of all of this, whereby there is simply not enough US dollars to back the actual stable coins anymore. Because of all the US dollars that won't enter the crypto markets, because people just don't know how, or they have them in their bank accounts or all the money that's in the bank accounts in, in, in the world of us dollars. And then all the us dollars that don't even exist as, as cash, they exist as all of the other financial instruments that can't be converted into USDT or USDC or USD, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Um, so, and then you've got USDT on built that's on Ethereum. You've got it. That's on. Uh, Stellar, or is it maybe USDC that's on Stellar? They they jump from blockchain to blockchain as well. I mean, fuck, there was USDT on Tron, uh, I believe, as well at one point. So the, I think you're right. The 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 whole stablecoin phenomena is fascinating because it is completely against the whole point of Bitcoin. And you're right, most of these people measure their wealth in dollars, right? They call if they, they call themselves millionaires because they're millionaires in out money um which again is just, just like well what are you going to do sell sell it sell your bitcoin down into usdt it's like there's not going to be enough usdt because there's not, not enough dollars so somehow there you'll probably end up with just usdt usdc all the stable coins that end up like the current system which is just fractional reserves um which is then exactly the whole fucking system that we're trying to fix and and build in a better way so you just end up having made the exact same thing for the authorities that you're actually trying to push back against so it is but it's it's, on
0: the internet Sam it's it's, on the internet
1: it's 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 like you said before it's incursion by the state and the state didn't even ask for it In in this instance they didn't even want it they've just been unwittingly incurred into
0: this space because of greedy fucks uh, the, the people were calling out for a leader, Sam. <laughs> the, the people called out and Tether answered, soon to be followed by the US Treasury Department. <laughs> well, maybe there you go. The United States Dollar Treasury Department. Maybe that's exactly what USDT really stands for.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: US de- Department of the Treasury. Yeah, that would work. And they're just
1: it's going to be like a, at the end of a Scooby-Doo episode where they pull off the ghost mask and they go, ta-da, it was really the US Treasury all along,
0: suckers. You know, yeah, maybe we uh, maybe we should start a petition or something for the US Treasury Department to be renamed the US Tether Department. I mean, look, the other thing you've got to think about
1: is if the us do try and build their own stablecoin, what are they gonna what are they gonna call it i mean like all the really good acronyms are being taken up usdt usdc I
0: no mean- no 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 you're thinking too small i they, they just call it a whole new thing they, it needs to be a whole new thing uh you know there was that there's that stable coin d-a-i, D-A-I um, mm well yeah which you're which you're very familiar with which isn't backed by anything and that's kind of part of its value But, but before
1: whole- usdt was listed on coinbase dai was the only stable coin um quotation marks that you could that you could get through gemini or coinbase or any of these big exchanges
0: yeah because it didn't flirt with that uh, status of saying they actually had Dollar reserves somewhere because if they did have dollar reserves, then they'd need to, uh, you know, they'd need to pass all of the financial regulation, uh, exactly. saying that they are, you know, we're not issuing a security, you know, we are instead doing X, Y, Z or whatever. Yeah, I mean, uh, but now that they've, yeah, Dai. I mean, Dai—that's a pretty good name, but you know, Dai. Um, I'm, yeah, it it doesn't maybe it does not speak so much to uh, to what a stable coin should be called I mean when you think of a stable coin you don't think of the word die and yeah that means that's I've got a dollar somewhere um, I think with the maybe they' call them like I don't know Lincoln created the greenback right so he created the the fiat money directly Thanks. by the government not through the um, not through the not through uh, banks at all Those. maybe they'd call them Lincoln's yeah, how about Lincoln's? It's like our
1: like our one sat one Satoshi is the um, you know one one hundred millionth of a, of a yeah, big, links a, a, a Lincoln is 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 one one hundred thousandth of a um, of of, a, of, of, a, of, a, of a George perhaps of a George of a Washington
0: yeah, Washingtons would work too. I think I think the greenback connection might work, especially if the treasury. Yeah, as it, as it was, you know, Lincoln created the greenback where it was direct from the treasury, so it wasn't a dollar as you know it today. It was completely unbacked. That would help if the treasury was going to start issuing these things in vast size to pay for whatever they wanted to on the internet. Okay, so, Sam, you're um, a Yellen maybe? <laughs> yeah, a Yellen. Oh. <laughs> That's a five Yellen suggestion that is. <laughs> I'll take my tips in Yellen, thanks. Mm, damn. Yeah, or a Powell, mate. Yeah, you know, but Yellen's nah, a,
1: Powell, a Powell doesn't have the same ring to it.
0: Yeah, with the Yellen, what would the symbol be? Would it be like the yen, except with an extra line through it, maybe? You know, because Bitcoin was fine taking the Thai Baht logo. So, like, maybe <laughs> yeah. with a with Yellen, we'll just take the, the yen logo. Steal the yen logo. Japan won't <laughs> mind at all. Yeah, damn. All right, Sam, what are you bearish on this week? We've gone on on the bullish side. What's the bearish side?
1: You no know what's so funny about all this? It's I'm bearish on America. <laughs> we have not conspired to make this uh, the way it is, but I literally wrote this down before today's episode. I'm bearish on America. Kind of within that, I'm bearish on California. I'm bearish on America because of this whole hoo-ha, with the proposal of the, the wealth tax on, on capital gains tax and how that's ironically shocked the market into selling a whole bunch of good positions to capitalise uh, gains. Nonetheless, I also read that Caitlin Jenner is running for governor of California, which, to be honest, in today's world, it wouldn't surprise me if she, she won it and became governor. I mean, Arnie did it, albeit he's way more popular and actually probably better Uh, in terms of uh, being a human being. I mean, last I checked, Arnie hadn't killed anyone in a car crash or allegedly killed anyone in a car crash. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, So if, you know, Caitlyn Jenner becomes governor of California, I am very fucking bearish on California and just America in general at the moment. Because, I mean, like, if you ask yourself, is America in a better position now than it was, let's just, for example, say, say four years ago, or are they in a worse position? You'd probably say worse and getting worse, not kind of like worse and getting better. Um, and I think it reaffirms the case that all politicians uh, in power are useless as tits on a ball. So uh, yeah, I'm bearish on America and what, California.
0: Can you give me a, a country, Sam, that, is be- that you think is is markedly better off today than it was four years ago?
1: Ah, oh, uh, I'd probably have to get back to you on that. So maybe I'm just bearish on politicians and government.
0: <laughs> well, I think, I think that's a fair observation to make. I mean, it's a, America is certainly not looking its best right now. I would, uh, I would certainly agree with that. Uh, I was prior to our, uh, our our discussion right now. I mean, I was speaking to a gentleman in New York. I was asking him how he's uh, how New York is looking these days if the stories about all these New Yorkers fleeing the country to Austin and uh, to Miami are true, mm. that kind of thing. Uh, and he was saying, uh, you know, New York just over the last like week, pretty much is um, well, or not even just over the last week, but it, you over the last few days, he just noticed how incredible the huge amount of energy uh, that's going on there. Apparently yeah. things are, are looking really good. Um, you, and- don't, you don't kill the world's biggest, best cities like London
1: and New York. In tokyo these giants of you know these giants mega cities it, it, what's happened in the last year that doesn't kill these cities
0: just, just yeah it's just a pause but at the same time um you know he, he did a, he did acknowledge that yeah he did he's had plenty of conversations with people who have left that yeah, that state um because you know there's going to be higher taxes that kind of thing um And at the same time, there are also people, he said, who have left to go to a place like Austin who were going to leave anyway, because, you know, all all that's happened is you got a married couple with two kids who've had to live inside a small apartment for 24 hours a day. There were definitely people who were thinking, you know, uh, the state's becoming a lot more authoritarian. I want to go somewhere bigger. But um, it was his observation of, uh, he was surprised at just how, or he appeared surprised at just how how much energy there suddenly was for mm. people wanting to go to dinner, people want to go out, you know, people wanting to live ultimately, which I found interesting um, because it will be very interesting to see how the hospitality sector um, gets out of this. I mean, I, I really do believe there is a huge amount of demand to get back to going to pubs and things like that. But um, at the same time, so many people expect just, but maybe it's the recency bias. They expect that things that have been bad, are, they're still going to be really bad. Yeah, And I wonder if that's going to be wrong in it in a similar way to how after, you know, at the end of the Second World War, a lot of people thought that when all the soldiers came back, they were um, well, the ones that did come back, of course, hmm. uh, that there was going to be a prolonged economic depression. And ultimately, um, you know, there was going to be so many economic issues that people weren't that, you know, the there would be an economic malaise that would prevent an awful lot of economic growth from occurring. Now, in the UK, I mean, you could argue that was broadly true, to, or at least true to some degree, because we had there were a lot of issues post-war yeah. you know, because you know, Britain had lost so much of its, uh, of its power. But for the States, everyone was thinking that depression was going to happen, and it didn't. I mean, there was the total opposite. There was a gigantic boom in growth. I wonder if something similar is going to be like that when it comes to the flu lockdowns. Or and I and I hope that's the that's the case. I mean I'm just positing this as a theory because I don't really I don't think I really believe it all the way through. But um, Yeah, I mean I think did we I'm trying to remember if if we spoke about this last year, about
1: the similarities between the twenties of the nineteen hundreds and the twenties of today, and that, that 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 perhaps as 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 shitty as a, as it's got off to a start with, you know, an unexpected pandemic and on the byproduct of all decisions made by authorities off the back of that, that perhaps it it is the disaster that leads uh, the glory times that maybe we're at the, the, we we are again at the start of a, of an economic boom, perhaps as people start to appreciate uh, the, that, (laughs) <laughs> shit can be taken away from them in a whim so perhaps it's
0: best to make hay while the sun shines it's sort of yeah. like a better phrase yeah yeah it will be um well i mean hopefully hopefully things hopefully things turn out for the better uh so i will actually be similar on your bearish segment uh this week actually sam uh, it is quite kind of a coincidence we've both gone for countries uh, instead, I am not bearish on America. I am bearish on, and you're going to love this. It's I, I your, reckon I know what you're going to say, but mm, you can say it. It's, anyway. it's going to be New Zealand.
1: That's exactly bearish what i going
0: to Yeah. Uh, I think New Zealand's approach to China uh, yeah. has been absolutely reprehensible over the past several years anyway. Uh, but just the the broad yeah, uh, the 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 levels of appeasement are reaching levels that uh, are you know are simply contemptible. Uh, they're watching the
1: fate of their master.
0: Yeah, it, you know Australia. Australia, I think, has has taken uh, the right path when it comes to China. I think it's admirable the yeah. level of confrontation that they're prepared prepared to take, especially when arguably you know their trade relationship with China is um, yeah. is really quite extreme. So this is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, a willingness for to take economic harm, which New Zealand uh, clearly isn't. Uh, Jacinda Ardern is always wanting to appear to be such a progressive leader, yeah. and
1: you know, daren't open
0: her mouth about people in concentration camps. Yeah, uh, just so,
1: ign- just completely ignored all that.
0: Uh, and it's so it's so willful and it's so obvious that I it really does. Um, it really is contemptible. So I think the the latest levels of appeasement where they're talking about you know appeasing the dragon and how it's a great you know there's this great synergy going on between uh, the Chinese Communist Party and uh, you know the the parliament of New Zealand. It really does, uh, I don't think it bodes well ultimately for for New Zealand. I think this this will- Just on that I wonder I wonder
1: it'll be interesting to see perhaps the migration statistics on people from New Zealand migrating to Australia over the next year. That would
0: be interesting, yeah. Off the
1: back and so seeing if it has a has an impact on migration numbers. I would I would suspect that, that it will be a net positive migration to Australia, uh away from New Zealand in that sense.
0: Yeah. It would be I would be very curious to see how, how that ends up looking. Mm. Um, at the same time, I, mean, I do say I'm bearish on New Zealand. I think this, uh, you know, I think this will be definitely um, looked back upon as a as a shameful moment for New Zealand. it will be interesting to see if the CCP sort of tries to, um, you know, help its friends out with some kind of subsidies and preferential <laughs> trade agreements and things like that. But ultimately, I think this decision is not going to work very well uh when you are a member of the five eyes uh your military relationships <laughs> certainly <eyes>. are dominated <laughs> yeah Four eyes now uh, but you know they're not they're, they are still a member of the of the agreement it's yeah. not a, that's not something that can be rolled back so quickly but no no you see the military constraint uh and the military relationships you know when it comes to the acquisition of uh, materiel and uh, and arms and things like that whether or not uh whether or not this leads to uh, you know, a change in the status quo when it's come to New Zealand and their contribution to, uh, you know, the various military alliances. Um, Sam, uh, we haven't rated our first beers. Uh, mm. I, the Grassmore Dark Ale, uh, I quite like. That's Grassmore with one S. It uh, was very nice. I would think I would rate this a, I think I would rate this an A+. plus. It was, uh, you know, nothing uh, exceptional, but it was, uh, it did go down very well. How about you? How was, uh, how was the patrons project?
1: Uh, very, very nice. Um, so the, the actual name of the beer, now that I've revealed the label, is the North Sea Sessions, um, <clears throat> which is, as I say, the um, the one from Northern Monk uh, collaborating with Don Zocco. Really, really nice. Um, you know, it's not super. wasn't a super strong beer, only 4.5%, but I, I enjoyed that a lot. I hate it when a session beer actually ends up being so good that it is an actual fucking session beer <laughs> um you know what i enjoyed that enough that i'd put that up there as a double b actually i, um, I thought that, that was that was real
0: quality that was patrons projects ones are always limited editions. so you know if you listen to this and you want to try it you're probably going to have to try and find some soon um i know i'm gonna i'm gonna see if i can get my hands on some of that i do love the old pp stuff mm. um North Sea as well. Yeah. You yeah, know, the, be- the best sea there is.
1: Yeah. I don't know if I'd want to go surfing in the North Sea, though, which clearly, uh,
0: old mate here, Sandy Kerr,
1: uh, does.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah maybe, uh, not, not without a very, uh, uh, a thermally lined, uh, swimsuit. Well, what, what are they called again? They're not swimsuits. It's, uh, um, wetsuits. Wetsuits. Yeah. 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 Well, sometimes uh,
1: the, if it's super cold you can get dry suits i believe that they're called dry suits because they keep you so dry on the inside like perfectly dry on the inside it's basically
0: like a space suit for water damn who's using those why is why is sandy kerr not using that maybe he is i don't know i think they're the kind of suits. sometimes there's those
1: suits that they use like in the arctic and stuff so that if they get wet they don't die
0: damn <laughs> damn yeah if you're if you're out there going whaling or something yeah. or, uh,
1: if you 're on one of the Japanese fishing vessels doing some
0: whale research right yeah you know I was actually looking I was looking up the the history of whaling recently, um, just because it is a, a fascinating era when. You know, instead of we couldn't get petrol from the Saudi Arabians and we couldn't get petrol from the Iranians and we couldn't get petrol from the Iranians, uh, not the Iranians, sorry, the Venezuelans uh, and the Nigerians and things like that. You know, when there weren't all of these drilling areas, you know, we had to actually just go and kill these massive mammals in order to uh, to boil their blubber and then, you know, just put it into a, then oh, use that for all our, <laughs> you know,
1: imagine... You know,
0: yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's incredibly macabre, but very sad. you know, and, and very sad. I mean, they're they're beautiful creatures, but it's just crazy that for a, a very long period of time. Mm. And we were talking, you know, mm. all the way through 19th century. This was a very big deal uh, that this was this was just the, the standard practice. Uh, I remember the um, the dishonored video games. I think there are two of them, uh, are, are based in sort of a steampunk Victorian era where everything is still getting powered off whale oil. And, you know, they're, they're, they've got these combustion engine-like machines which are powered by whale oil. The idea of somebody filling your, you know, filling your car with this is really quite absurd. But Sam, what was the second beard you got?
1: Yeah, so the second one I got was from the Eight Wired Brew Company. So uh, it's a berliner Weiss uh, called Mandarin Hippie which, uh, as I say, is a, is a Berlin of Ice, 4.5%, but very strong uh, Mandarin flavor in it. So they've obviously brewed this with mandarins. Um, so it is quite citrusy, um, quite sharp, but not in an overpowering way, which which is surprising. I thought it might have been a little bit on the kind of sour side, but it was, it was really just more sort of, I said, uh, almost sharp sharp's probably the best description for it um not overly sour quite refreshing in a sense um yeah i like it. if you like your sort of beers with a citrusy tang and twist to it um i i, w- I would recommend it it's um you said 4.5 percent is pretty light uh, and having now consumed it all as well i'd, I'd probably give it an a plus i think
0: all right yeah, it's funny, funny couple of coincidences we've had in episode forty-two, Sam. Uh, the uh, the one I've gone for today is called World Top, and it's a marmalade porter. Ah. Oh. So similarly, we're getting some uh, some of that citrusy. You know, it's not a mandarin. Uh, it is. This is orange, but at the same time, you know, there is that that citrusy angle on this. So uh, you know, it's got an interesting label. Uh, it's almost it's cracked almost. As though uh, you know, it's made of stone or something, and very old school type font. Rich, dark, sweet, and malty. Overtones of bitter orange, coffee, and chocolate. This is a 5% porter in a 500ml bottom, bottle. I've only just noticed this is gluten free, actually. You haven't, haven't noticed before. Um, but yeah, this is from World Top Brewery, which is in World Newton. Vegan friendly as well as uh, as so many of these beers have been surprisingly, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and also uh, interesting, um, they they've capitalized uh, quite a few things on the back. Uh, so porter is capitalized, as is, and apparently it's great with classic roast dinners and chocolate. With roast dinners and chocolate being capitalized, so very important, um, very <laughs> important.
1: Roast dinners, chocolate.
0: Yeah, yeah full on marmalade. It was pretty good, actually. I, I think I'd give this an A+. Nothing, uh, you know, not crazy, but uh, definitely goes down well. And it was bought out of the supermarket, so uh, you, know, you don't have to go far afield to get it. Uh, Sam, I'm afraid I must be heading off now, but uh, in terms of any closing remarks you have for episode 42, anything you'd like to say to our viewers? Uh,
1: no, only that uh, where you are right now, I wish
0: I was, because it is a lovely,
1: lovely part of uh of England up in Windermere um and I wish I was I wish I was there to be honest
0: <laughs> yeah I've uh, I've been cooped up inside for the last several days so I've not really explored it much yet but I very much look forward to uh taking some walks around the these great lakes uh, and I'll report back next week because I'll still be here uh with some more uh, locally sourced brew, brews. So uh, that is all from us for today. For That was episode 42. I hope you're having a good weekend if you're listening to this. And we shall be back again with episode 43 next week.